Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to Messy Marriages, sharing stories of messy moments in marriages and how we make the most of our mistakes. We will undress the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. What are the concerns and questions most couples have in marriage and often go unspoken until now? Host Mark Lucas brings wisdom, authenticity, and practical advice to even the toughest marriage topics. Welcome to Messy Marriages. Mark Lucas here, Faith Talk 1360, and also listening in the beautiful podcast world. What a joy it is for me to have these conversations with you week in and week out. My heart and my desire is that wherever you are right now, you would know first and foremost that God loves you, and secondly, that God loves your marriage. God desires us to be in a beautiful way to fight for our marriages, to cultivate a flourishing marriage, to be able to know that this show is all about. I'm the first one every time to admit that my marriage is a work in progress. And yet in the midst of this growing process of my marriage and your marriage, we get to be able to interview people from all over the state, all over the country, and to be able to talk about some of the messes that we make in marriage and what it looks like for us to give God those messes, and then allow God to make those messes into this beautiful masterpiece. One of the things that I find often in my personal life is that I have this addictive personality, and I have struggled openly through the end of high school into college with being addicted to drugs. So I walked through AA and NA, and I grew immensely through that whole process. But today we want to tackle that addiction kills our marriages, and that we can find freedom from addiction. I've got the perfect guests. They've become good friends. I brought them in again. Uh, They're excited to be here. I've got Tim and Mariah Hilly from Hilltop Marriage Coaching. One of the things that I love most about them is their transparency, their vulnerability, their authenticity, to be able to meet people right in whatever they're going through, and to be able to minister and encourage them and to bring the Word of God to be able to help them navigate marriage. They have 18 years of marriage experience together. And again, it's this transparent testimony that allows people to see the hope that comes through Jesus Christ and how he has restored and redeemed marriage and their family. We do not think that it is fair. I love this part on your website. We do not think it's fair to ask you to be fully transparent, a process and approach they have in coaching, while they learn nothing about them, and they don't have an openness and a vulnerability in them as well. So thank you, Tim and Mariah, again for being my guest today. Thank oh, you. Oh, man, you're too kind. I love the build up. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been good to spend time with you, Tim, and then Mariah. I know we've had you in before, both you guys on air. And we're jumping into something that means a lot to your marriage, something that you guys have obviously walked through in your marriage. So maybe i just start with you, Tim, and just give a quick flyover of what addiction looked like in your personal life, and then we're going to transition to Mariah and really talk about, as a spouse of an addict, 
some things within boundaries, et cetera, that we're going to talk through with you. So we'll start with you, Tim. Oh, man. Uh, addiction started in high school. Uh, the gateway drug, right? Weed. Yeah. Um, but there's some truth to that, right? Uh, so was all about, I was a super weed head um, for 15 years. Um, pretty sure Snoop Dogg would have been proud to hang out. Yeah, you know? right. The chronic. Uh, the, <laughs> the chronic, right? Uh, but yeah, so um, it was just my God. I, I had a lot of things I didn't deal with as a kid that I experienced uh, with just divorce in the, in the family and my parents and um, being raised by your grandparents and just, I didn't know how to emotionally deal with things. And so I just stuffed it down or thought I was doing, working through it with sports and things, right. With friends. But, um, 15 years, man, uh, I, I smoked before I did anything. I would smoke if I was happy, smoke, if I cried, go to the movies, smoke, smoke before go surfing, play basketball. It didn't matter. Just smoking everything. Uh, my wife and I, we would even have arguments, and I would we'd get so frustrated with each other. I would go downstairs, smoke, come back up, and be like, you know, you're right. Everything's okay, right? Yeah. Uh, but nothing was resolved four hours later when the high wears off. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You're kind of right back to where you were, you know? Um, and then uh, after 10 years of marriage, uh, we separated, and I just went off the deep end. I'm Forget weed. That's just that's small play, right? We're gonna go up the ante to some cocaine, and Molly. We're gonna mix cocaine and Molly, and just wild out, right? And um, it was so destructive because I was never even when I was in the house, I wasn't in the house upstairs in my own mind, right? I was emotionally checked out, emotionally unavailable for her, our four year old daughter at the time, um, and really, it what's interesting is. As a as a person who grows up with parents as addicts, you say to yourself, I'm never going to be that way. I'm never going to be. I won't be like them. I won't be like them. But that then that's all you think about. It's all, that's the only thing that's in the forefront of your mind. So instead of thinking about what you want to become, you just think what I don't want to be. And inevitably, some crazy way, that's exactly what you become because it's all you think about. Yeah. And so it just it, addiction to drugs killed our marriage. It killed it. Uh, it killed my relationship with my wife. It killed my relationship with myself, with God, uh, church, my daughter. It ruined it and because I didn't know how to deal with any kind of emotion. So I'll just smoke it away, snort it away, only to find myself right back where I started. As a, and, this, and I learned there was a six-year-old little boy who needed closure I needed to have some things addressed that was still inside me. And so through some counseling um, and some Celebrate Recovery, those things, similar steps, you're right, um, and a very supportive wife. Uh, you talk about – it gets me choked up. Mm-hmm. But it talk about someone really there to support you and stand by your side. Uh, she didn't just – she wasn't just there when times were good, money was good. She's there through the trenches, man. So she is my – She's my buddy, confidant, my rock. Um, I love her. Mm. So for you, because obviously it wasn't a bed of roses. Um, <laughs> Not quite. Walking with this guy in that journey. And from another guy that, again, has walked through addiction. Um, I wasn't married at that time. But it's 
you're right. I mean, you've, you, you've lost an understanding of really who you are in yourself. You're obviously not flourishing. Uh, you've, you've killed in a lot of ways your, your identity. Um, and you're just so wrapped up in this addiction that that becomes your idol, that becomes your God, that becomes mm-hmm. all you think about. So in the midst of, of walking through that, yeah, just right now, because obviously there probably is some listeners listening in that have either been there or, or maybe at a place where they're kind of walking in and asking themselves, okay, when do I step in? What are boundaries? Right. How do I be a loving spouse that's praying for her husband, but also needs to know there's boundary lines and there's times to say no and times to put up boundaries. So, so we got married young. Tim was 19 and I was 21. He went for the older woman. I went for an older woman as well. Hey. Smart. I wonder, he's, <laughs> you're so smart. You're smarter than I am, but yeah, you're smart. And he brought the weed into the marriage. It wasn't like the secret addiction that I didn't know about. I knew that he smoked a whole ton of weed, but he said, when we get married, I'll quit. Okay. For when, for your birthday, I'll quit for Christmas. I'll quit. It was always something I'll quit. I'll quit. And he never did. And I, I believed it being young thinking, well, he says he's going to quit. I'm sure he will. And of course he just never did. He quit for about four months after we had our first daughter and then got right back to it. So for the first 10 years, I was open about how much I hated it. And it brought a lot of tension between us. Uh, and then he would just go smoke and the tension would go away. So it was, it was just such a vicious cycle. Uh, and I was, a I was a doormat for the first 10 years. I, st- I allowed things that I knew I shouldn't be allowing in hindsight. I wasn't standing in my identity as a Christian woman, as a child of God. So I was tolerating things that I had no business tolerating or allowing in my own home. It was a drain on our finances, which was irresponsible when we're trying to raise a baby. Uh, It came between us emotionally. It came between us spiritually. And I thought, oh, I'm just submitting. This is just my cross to bear. I have to just keep on keeping on and, and pray and wait. But God gave me a realization that submission to someone who is not submitted to the Lord is not of God. And I had to stand up for what I knew to be right on behalf of myself and my daughter if my husband wasn't going to be doing it. So when Tim left, he uh, just kind of surprised me with saying he wanted a divorce. It was totally unexpected after 10 years of marriage. It really caused me to do some soul searching and reevaluating what what do I stand for? What am I willing to tolerate and what am I not willing to tolerate? And that's actually, those are some of the questions we ask our clients, because if you haven't considered it, what's your framework for life? How do you, how do you make decisions? So I asked the Lord, what, how far am I supposed to go with this man? And uh, since our reconciliation, there have been relapses and I've approached it at times with anger and rage and at other times with gentleness and just prayer and and trying to comfort him and and meet him where he's at and find out what he needs. So it's it's really run the gamut emotionally and spiritually. But the last time I said, look, this can't be a part of our life. I'm not going to be married to someone who habitually uses cocaine. It's not safe for our children. We have another daughter now. And I'm not saying I want a divorce, but the next time I find out that you've used, I'm going to just, we're not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say, I need you to leave, please, and get the help necessary because this cannot be incorporated into our lifestyle that we're trying to live for the Lord. 
So that was effective. And I don't know what clicked in your brain, Tim, Mm. to make that switch. But it was different than any other approach that I've had before. I think what, what made it switch in my mind was I was close enough to the Lord to know that I have a calling. And there's work to be done. And there's marriages to help. There's people to help. There are, and helping marriages, you help the household, you help the community, you help the church, you help society, you help future generations. So it's bigger than just right now. And it's like, and there's there's a part in the, I think the Old Testament, where the Lord's looking for men to he can call upon and count on to do the work. And he found nobody. And that scares me. I don't want to be, I don't want him looking for men. And I'm not in his in his sight in his sight qualified or at least someone he can count on and so and i hear my wife say these things and it's like this is my best friend am i really gonna pick this little powder or this substance or something over this life and i don't know what it's just god's cool like that when you submit all in and the and what he's done since that day is incredible with the business, with the ministry. I'm here. I got my bride next to me working on 19 years now. And so between my spiritual rock and Jesus and my earthly rock and my wife, uh, we're going places. <laughs> and we want to take as many people we can with us. I love it. One of the things that I want to make sure we have time to get to, because I think this conversation really relates to all of us, whether or not you're at a place right now where you or your spouse has walked through an addiction to drugs, there's these addictive coping mechanisms that we see within all marriages to a degree. And there has to be some awareness that I want to get into in this conversation now where we begin to ask ourselves, like, I really enjoy... There's a part of the creation account where there's four Ps that I've pulled out, and I haven't pulled them out. They've been pulled out by Jimmy Evans in Dallas, Texas. But he looks at these four beautiful laws that God gives for marriage, the law of prioritizing one another, the law of pursuing one another, the law of purity, and the law of partnership. And I think when it looks at the first two Ps, and that's not pee and poop, (laughs) but the first two Ps, when you look at prioritizing each other and really pursuing each other, this prioritizing is this leaving and cleaving process that happens for the ongoing majority of our entire lives, really our entire lives, is that we're prioritizing what's important. And when we see things in our marriages where our spouse is continually choosing things, He goes on, Jimmy Evans, to say that he was actually prioritizing golf over his marriage. Mm -hmm. So he had an addiction to golf, and he was so obsessed to be a scratch golfer that it was literally an idol in his marriage. So I want to kind of lean this direction because right now one of the things that I have to do inventory constantly in my marriage is really even asking myself. And one of the things that I find often in our marriage is this. When we really look at God being number one, our spouse being number two in the priority— And then really what is sliding into that second spot or maybe even in the first spot? So for me at times, love my kiddos. I've got three kiddos. But a lot of us as we navigate right now and we're honest about our own marriages, we think, you know what? If I were to really look at the amount of time and energy and effort I put into my kids in a week, that might be my number one or that might be my number two. So I just use that as one example. It's probably going to hit the heart and minds of a lot of our listeners right now. 
But let's just kind of dive into these waters because I know here in what you sent me over, we talk about idols and we talk about addiction and we talk about that connection there. So I'll let you guys kind of peel into this a little bit, but I know this is a really, really important conversation for flourishing, thriving marriages, which is what I want and all of us want listening in right now. I think from a wife perspective, there's it's common, not always the case, but it is often common for the husband to be battling an addiction to substances, pornography, work, something like that. And the wife thinks, well, I'm totally squared away. I, I'm, I'm good. If you would just get your stuff together, we'd be good. But there do there are these little idols, as you mentioned, where a, a wife will put, a mother will put her children in that position over her husband, over the Lord. Um, something even for me, it's kind of silly, is Instagram reels. We work <laughs> a lot. And so when we get home, I'm just like, oh, I just want to lay on the bed and mentally check out, just zone out and laugh a little bit. And it was just creeping in more and more and more. And you all have been there. You look at it, it's 710, and oops, now it's 845. How did that happen? <laughs> How many and, dog reels can I watch right, in the animal cats, reels? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there are these things that women slip into these traps thinking this is just a benign activity. And really, he's like, you know what? You're kind of spending a whole lot of time on Instagram reels. I feel like I haven't even talked to you tonight. Meanwhile, he's sending important emails or helping the kids with the homework, whatever. And I'm like, ha, ah, look at that. That's funny. <laughs> so Look what this cat is doing. It's <laughs> exactly. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you said, there has to be an awareness. It's not always, you know, the big ones, the, the, porn, drugs, alcohol. It's little things that creep in and just steal that time. And before you know it, you're going, oh my goodness, I've wasted so much time. So I think one thing that's been successful for us is both of us taking inventory of where we can improve. It's not always me just saying, Tim, you need to work on this, work on this, work on this. It's accountability as individuals on both sides of the table. You just mentioned it briefly, and then I'm going to go to you, I yeah, promise. This yeah. is just a quick side note because you said porn, and we're not going to do a whole show on this. We're only going to do a second on it. But I just recently got introduced to a company that's um, Fight the New Drug, and it really brings awareness about porn. And I'm wearing their shirts because it gives me an opportunity for myself and then also for others to really have conversations with men and women, but for me it's with men, to know that the porn industry, if you were to take the stations of NBC, CBS, and ABC and talk about the revenue that all three of those stations make in a year, the porn industry makes more. Wow. If you were to take the NFL, um, Major League Baseball, MLB, and then take the NBA, the revenue off those three leagues together, porn makes more. So we have to know that there is this huge industry that is destroying love. Mm -hmm. It's feeding into this addictive behavior. It's feeding in even the dopamine of the brain. Right. And it's really feeding and hurting intimacy and in marriage. It's hurting the the reality that men believe the lie that one woman isn't enough in marriage, uh, a real woman isn't enough, and they begin to feed themselves on those mm -hmm. addictive lies. So continue, but I just had to plug that because you yeah. said the word porn because there's so many, men and women, Right. There's so many people on Instagram you mentioned, so many people that just kind of start there and they're like, oh, just check out this reel or check out this story. And next thing you know, there's a dopamine trigger in their brain 
that there's enjoyment there, and then they just become more and more addicted to it, and the next thing they know, they're just doing it all the time. So, totally. Yeah. Those are crazy statistics, by the way. I know. I, I, right? I hate them. And that's a real I pandemic. I want to punch them in the face. That's a real pandemic. It right is there, a real right? pandemic. Yeah. And so, um, you know, something I heard a while back is what you say yes, whatever you say yes to, you say no to everything else. Yes. Right? And so... Dave Ramsey actually says everyone's heard of Dave Ramsey. Most people have, right? Financial guru, hundred percent. But uh, and, and he's brilliant. Love love what he teaches. And but what he said was most mar- number one failure for marriage is financial hardship. And that's kind of what me and Mariah were talking about. Well, and what we've seen, it's the 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 financial hardship is a symptom more of what you're spending your money on. Now, this isn't true for everybody. Some people are just a victim of circumstances, but a lot of people will, be, will do self-sabotage, mm-hmm. and it's so real. And what they spend their money on fee- is feeding their addiction, right? And so you have the normals that the, are the regulars of substance, alcohol, porn, but then there's screen time, there's sports, fantasy sports, friends, work, money, food, fast food, entertainment. And, so, and, these are what pe- and it's really just a form of escapism. Which is what everyone's trying to do is escape. And one of the things that we like to try to coach clients is to, you know, self-care is building a life that you don't need an escape from. And so, you know, what what you're addicted to, it is an idol. And how do these things take place of God? And, and back to your, your P's that you mentioned, I think the first <laughs> one was priority. Mm-hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God. Right. And and so it's like if we're doing that, it kind of really makes us do a self inventory. And if you go to your checkbook or your bank statement and you go to your calendar, your schedule, mm-hmm. where you spend your time and your money will tell you who your God is real quick. And it's a very tangible way to do that. And so I think a lot of people will see for me, it was look how much money I was spending at a dispensary weekly or the bar. Right. And it's like my my God wasn't the substance. My God was the escape. And I think a lot of people are addicted to escaping because whatever for whatever reason, their reality is so intense or it's not what they want it to be. They don't have their identity in Christ, whatever it is. So escapism plagues us porn. Mm -hmm. It's a form of escapism. I'm not getting I'm not having the intimate time with my wife. So I got to escape that. And just go to the computer or the phone or the device real quick. So that's my take on that. <laughs> it's really good. Um, I love this sentence you said, self-care is building a life you don't need escape from. I think that's beautiful. And I think two things that I would say following up on what you just shared, which both of you guys have been brilliant. Um, I'm not driving, so I'm taking notes right now. But the reality is, is that when you think about the importance of self-care, even within the church, I find we don't have enough dialogue around what is healthy self-care. Because if healthy self-care, which Jesus does talk about all throughout the Gospels, is building a life you don't need to escape from, we've got to cultivate that. We've got to foster that. And as we cultivate that and as we foster that, what happens is is that we're fostering this healthy, abundant life in Christ— where we don't need those coping bombs. We don't run to the escapism. Mm-hmm. We truly are thriving and we feel fulfilled with purpose and hope and joy. 
and we just have this countenance about us where we don't have to run and escape to things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. You also talked about, and I love this, you talked about setting limits. And one of the things that really I think is so important in this conversation on addiction is that setting limits is, and this priority, which we talked about in the first P, I ask myself, try to once a month, how many times this month have I said yes to something that I should have said no to? Mm -hmm. And by saying yes to these things that I should have said no to, I'm really, unfortunately, because of time, probably not able to say yes as much to my wife Mm -hmm. and to prioritizing the most important earthly relationship, my spouse. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, when you talk about boundaries, you talk about setting limits, is really understanding, you know what? It's okay to say no. Yes. Mm -hmm. Really great leaders say no a lot of times more than they say yes. So it's okay to say no. We have to set healthy boundaries to keep priorities in place for our marriages. Yeah. Just you guys, a go ahead. real quick story about saying no to things. It's really hard for me to say no. And tomorrow night is the fall festival at our church. And they said, can you be the coordinator of the trunk or treats? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Tim, can I do that? No. <laughs> and so he's looking out for me because he knows how bogged down we already are. And if we're adding, we're saying, I, I'm saying I want more time with my kids. And he says, this is where we take our kids. We don't serve. We're going to go enjoy time as a family. So it's that open dialogue and prayer about when to say no and deciding as a unit with the inspiration of the Lord. I'm so glad you shared that. We're just finishing up. Tim and Mariah, you guys are both a blessing to me and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Messy Marriages. Have an amazing and incredible week. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Messy Marriages, a show dedicated to making the most out of your mistakes. Mark would love to send you his weekly Marriage Monday video. Please go to marklucasradio.com and sign up for his weekly marriage video. Follow him at marklucasradio on Instagram. Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.